from Burlington, Vermont. Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this week, we've got an update for you on a story from last week on Montana legislative troon Sui Zephyr. And we're going to talk about emotional incest between mothers and their sons and how it's becoming socially acceptable. And the continued degradation of etiquette, manners, and what we might call the social contract. I'm going to tell you a story about an encounter, not at the grocery store this time, but at the standalone deli. First, a little bit of housekeeping. Mark your calendars. Thursday, May 11th, that's next week, we are going to have an audio-only series of episodes, a conversation between me and evolutionary biologist Heather Hying, co-author with her husband, Brett Weinstein, of A Hunter-Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century. It's a fascinating book that looks at our evolutionary history and how it has programmed our behaviors and psychological inclinations and how those can run up against problems in a world of novelty that we live in today. So again, Thursday, May 11th, it is audio only. You will not find it on YouTube. You will not find it on Rumble. So this is a really good opportunity to subscribe to Disaffected on your favorite podcast app. So (laughs) I made myself a little heading here. News and current events. Last week, we told you about Zoe Zephyr, whose real name is, um, it just went out of my head. Zachary, is it Zachary Rash? Yeah. Um, Zoe Zephyr is an elected representative in the Montana House, and Zoe Zephyr is trans. And Zoe Zephyr got um, told that they couldn't be in the legislative chamber. Zoe Zephyr got censured by the legislature um, for saying to his fellow lawmakers that if they passed a bill in Montana that would stop the practice of uh, medical mutilation on children that they call gender-affirming care, uh, that those legislators would have blood on their hands. So the House decided to censure him, and the censuring takes the form of not being able to be in the legislative chamber for debates for the rest of this session. Zoe Zephyr has been relegated to a couch in the hallway with a TV dinner that desperately needs a Swanson hungry man, and Zoe Zephyr is very unhappy about this. So here's what's happened. (laughs) Uh, This is from um, uh, Tim Pool's podcast. This is from TimCast. Quote, the state representative who was censured for comparing the restriction of medical interventions offered to minors who identify as transgender to torture has sued the state of Montana. I'll give you a little background here. Missoula Representative Zui Zephyr, who identifies as a transgender woman, was ultimately censured for accusing lawmakers in favor of the proposed legislation of having blood on their hands after the Montana Freedom Caucus um, denounced Zephyr's conduct. I can't believe I have to say this. It's so freaking stupid. Twinkle toes. Twinkle toes, starlight. Next quote. <laughs> With assistance from the American Civil Liberties Union, Zephyr filed an emergency lawsuit in state court arguing the censure is a violation of the First Amendment. 
Quote, by depriving Representative Zephyr of her right to freely engage the legislative process, defendants have also deprived her 11,000 constituents of the right to full representation in their government, states the lawsuit. Quote, this is from the ACLU. Defendants' lawless silencing and censure of Representative Zoe Zephyr extinguishes a vital part of the job her constituents elected her to do. Is that like how when I say that Zoe Zephyr is actually a man named Zachary Rash that I have erased his existence? I mean, that's good. Spread the work around. I'm erasing existence. They're extinguishing vital parts of jobs. By next week, this whole problem should have itself sorted. Uh, Zephyr has argued the lawsuit is necessary to combat, <clears throat> excuse me, gender identity bias present within the legislature. Well, listen, um, Zoe Zephyr has not been silenced. He can vote. The censure doesn't include him not being able to vote. He's just not allowed on the chamber floor for the rest of the session because he's unable to behave like a grown-up. When children misbehave, there are consequences. This is a timeout. He's on the naughty corner didn't get beaten. Nobody stole his lunch money. He just can't be in there because he can't act like a grown-up. Next quote. Oh, let me, let me tell you why I'm telling you this. <clears throat> this claim from the ACLU that this is a lawless silencing. Well, apparently the ACLU had some difficulty that I didn't have. I, it was very easy for me to find the 2023 legislative rules for the state of Montana, which say the following. <clears throat> Quote, if a member is called to order, the matter be, may be referred to the rules committee by the minority or majority leader. The committee may recommend to the House that the member be censured or subject to other action. Censure consists of an official public reprimand of a member for inappropriate behavior. The House shall act upon the recommendation of the committee. And again, this is from the 2023 rules of the Montana legislature. Leftists don't like consequences. Rules for me, but not for thee. So after accusing your colleagues of having blood on their hands, what could be a more mild punishment than a rebuke and not being allowed to be in the chamber for the rest of the session? Zui got the timeout appropriate to his age, which is obviously between 7 and 16 years old. Quote, House leadership explicitly and directly targeted me and my district because I dared to give voice to the values and needs of transgender people like myself, said Zephyr in a press release. By doing so, they've denied me my own rights under the Constitution and, more importantly, the rights of my constituents to just representation in their own government. Just representation. Is that like just egg, which isn't made of eggs at all? You know, this is it's just damsel in distressing. It's snidely whiplash tying up a damsel to the train tracks. I was silenced. Parts of my job were extinguished. <laughs> oh, princess. <laughs> ah, in other current events, Rochelle Walensky the director of the Centers for Disease Control, is stepping down. 
And I think this is an example of how we're not actually going to see any consequences for the bureaucrats and the elected officials and the government functionaries who violated the Constitution, overreached their authority, and screwed this country up stem to stern. And they did. We are going on the fourth year, fourth year now, of the, well, I would say the post-pandemic, there are a lot of people acting like there is no such thing as a post-pandemic world, and there never will be. Why, why are we still having, quote, supply chain issues for things like milk and cottage cheese? Do you know the stores have never gone back to the way they were? We're on year four. Again, four years. We're into the fourth year now. And it is still a crapshoot at a grocery store or a convenience store whether they will have basics like cheese, butter, Half and half. Cream. Eggs? Eggs are still $6 a dozen. Still. This is how badly they've screwed this country up. This is going to take years, years to get through this, if we do. And I'm not convinced that we will. I am not convinced. So, Rochelle Walensky is stepping down. She's a former Harvard Medical School professor and then the director of the CDC. So, listen to this. Um... She said that she took the job at President Joe Biden's request with the goal of, quote, moving CDC and public health forward into a much better and more trusted place. And now that the pandemic is over, it's time to move on, huh? So the White House had gushing praise for their departing director, claiming that, quote, Dr. Walensky has saved lives. Are you getting sick of these rote, repetitive phrases yet? Do harm, save lives. Do harm, save lives, save lives, save. I have never, somebody needs to do an analysis of the major media um, and, and do a count. How many times the phrase saving lives or save lives has skyrocketed in the past five years between the claim that mutilating children and putting them on chemical castration blockers that permanently sterilizes them actually saves their lives. And, of course, everything everyone did um, during the pandemic was saving lives. Everybody today is talking about how their bill or their work remit or their purview, whatever it is that they do in the world, is saving lives. <laughs> Everyone's a hero. Um, more gushing praise from the White House for Walensky. They said that she led the country through a historic pandemic with honesty and integrity. <laughs> that was the letter from Joe Biden to uh, Rochelle Walensky. Uh, the CDC also had applause for their departing director, saying that they had her with her help, they stopped. Wait for it. They stopped an MPOX outbreak. I'm going to do it. Mmm, pox, 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 mmm, pox. <laughs> so stupid. You know what else they did with her help? They, quote, contained Ebola in Uganda. What the fuck is the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta doing in Uganda? <laughs> and why am I supposed to care about this? What about the illegal eviction moratorium that this bitch put in place? that forced landlords to allow people to stay in their apartments for free if they didn't want to pay rent. 
That happened. It's real. I'm a landlord myself. I am only lucky. It is only fortune that I wasn't in this situation. I own a small duplex. Okay, you want you want to think of let me let me tell you a little bit about the landlord class. I'm part of the landlord class, so that means that I'm the monopoly guy with the big bank of money twirling my mustache, right? Take a guess at how much profit profit. Okay, that is that which goes into my pocket that I can spend. How much profit do I make every year on a ranch style duplex? Tick tock, tick tock, maybe three thousand dollars, maybe. This year, I lost money on it because we had a heavy snow winter and I pay a lot to plow a very big rural driveway and turn around. So that is what she did to ordinary mom and pop landlords around the country, completely unconstitutional. What is the Centers for Disease Control doing interfering in the landlord-tenant contract relationship? This is so far outside their remit, I was actually shocked that they did it, but she did do it and it stayed in place until the Supreme Court finally overturned it, but the damage had already been done. I have talked to landlords, online mostly, of course, around the country who have sat for almost two years with tenants refusing to pay because they know they can refuse to pay. And you know what happens? I still have to pay property taxes or the, guess what will happen? Guess what happens if I don't pay my property taxes as a landlord? The state seizes my home. Do you understand this? They foreclose. They seize your home and sell it to get their back taxes. Landlords are shit though, right? Damn with capitalism. And also give me free room and board. Ah, let's move on to Supreme Court matters. Do you remember when the Roe versus Wade decision was leaked in 2022 and we still have heard absolutely nothing about any investigation to find this person? as if it weren't a crime, as if it weren't a momentous crime, which it was. Nothing. Nobody's ever going to pay for it. Well, you may remember that protesters showed up at Justice Brett Kavanaugh's house, and at least one of them threatened to assassinate him, and it seemed credibly did so. Well, they're back at it. This past Friday, protesters went to Brett Kavanaugh's house again to stand outside and chant about wanting ethics on the court. They were in John Roberts's neighborhood, too. Where are the U.S. Marshals, the ones who are supposed to guard Supreme Court justices? When protesters went to Kavanaugh's house after the row leak, as I said, at least one man threatened to kill him, and the Marshals were instructed thusly, quote, avoid, unless absolutely necessary, criminal enforcement action with regard to these protesters. Those were the, tr that, that was in the training protocols that were given to U.S. Marshals at the time. Avoid unless absolutely necessary criminal enforcement action. Why was it not absolutely necessary to arrest a man who threatened to assassinate a Supreme Court justice? You know, the problem here is it is actually illegal under federal law to try to intimidate a judge to influence the outcome of a decision, and that's exactly what that action was. And arguably what these protesters' actions are doing today why is it just okay? I know why. Because liberals are in charge. Democrats are in charge. And Brett Kavanaugh is not a human. John Roberts isn't a human. Neil Gorsuch isn't a human. They're white male patriarchs. Fuck them. Let them die.
you, you think I'm exaggerating? At this point, you, you know that I'm not. You know these people mean this. And if you don't, there is nothing I can do to get you there because the evidence is right out there. Plain for everyone to see. Well, guess who has some actual ethics problems? That's right, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Ms. Sotomayor has taken over $3 million, $3.6 million, if I remember correctly, in royalties and advance payments from Random House, the publisher, for her memoir. Because everybody has to have a memoir, especially if you're a person of color and Obama really likes you. She's taken over $3.5 million in royalties and advances from Random House while... She presided over cases before the Supreme Court in which Random House was a defendant. At least two high-profile suits against Random House were rejected by this court for a hearing while she was sitting on there. Sotomayor didn't recuse herself. Didn't. Never came up. Mm. You know what my problem is with her? I mean, I, I disagree with her politics, but there are, there are a lot of people with whose politics I disagree that I don't have a personal problem. I have a personal problem with Sonia Sotomayor. It's because she's stupid. And I'm not saying that to make an, a cheap insult. I mean what I say. She's dumb. As in, not bright, dim, not a high IQ. She's dumb. It's not just that she has different politics. She's freaking stupid. She sat in the courtroom earlier this year, unable to tell the difference. While she's talking to her colleagues on the high court, highest court in the land, she does not know the difference between the legal concepts de jure and de facto. She kept mixing them up. I don't remember who it was, which, which of the guys on the, on the bench was trying to correct her, but he, in the moment, he actually seemed flabbergasted. And, and, and I don't blame him. You're, you're, you're a Supreme Court justice, and you don't know the difference between de jure and de facto. And the reason why I'm not giving you a definition is because I want you to look it up on your own. <laughs> you don't have to know these things, but if you're a lawyer, you damn well better. Mm. Meanwhile, we're told that Justice Clarence Thomas has violated all sorts of uh, Supreme Court ethics rules by um, taking gifts from his billionaire friend Harlan Crow. Boat rides, plane trips, fancy dinners, uh, but actually all of these things weren't um, actual ethics violations under the Supreme Court's ethics rules when it happened. This guy's been his friend for about 25 years. I eh, guess it doesn't matter. We're coming up on a break here, but I want to remind you, subscribe to us, please, also on Rumble. We have got a Popery du Mokery coming out on Rumble after the show, and that's where Popery du Mokery lives now. It does not live on YouTube any longer. And we're also going to be using Rumble for a lot of things that we want to talk about that we actually can't say on YouTube. So please just take a minute, hop over there, just follow us, subscribe to us, and come back after the break. can't get enough of our love baby that's because you're not subscribed move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode we put out audio only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform so make sure you subscribe today looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is 
put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. First up, do you need somebody to talk to? Got a troublesome family member? You being pushed aside by the woke at work? Trying to figure out if you want to even stay in your field? Maybe you want to buy somebody a prepaid funeral and want to make sure it's a good buy? We can talk about all of these things. I offer one-hour consulting and coaching sessions at joshuaslocum.net. Uh, and I love the people that I talk to um, who've come to me as as coaching clients from the show. All walks of life, I've talked to men, women, younger people, older people. You don't have to know that the person you're dealing with is necessarily cluster B and you know there's certain, none of that matters. What we talk about is what's going on in these relationships, whether they're work, family, church, home. What are the dynamics and what are the options available to you to make the situation better? If that's appealing to you, I'd love to hear from you. Visit joshuaslocum.net. I want to talk now about what's called emotional incest between mothers and sons. And I realize that that sounds like a, a somewhat twee, precious term. You know, I can imagine somebody saying, oh, for goodness sake, there's incest and now there's emotional incest. Is that your trauma? I get it. I, I, to- I do get it. Yeah, I I do believe there is such a thing as emotional incest. I do believe that what I'm about to describe is correctly and not exaggeratedly described as incestuous, even though it's not about direct physical sexual molestation. It's about emotional molestation with sexual overtones, unfortunately, yes. And I, no, I don't think I know. I know that a lot of this goes on between mothers and sons when the mothers have something in the neighborhood of borderline personality disorder. It happened to me. I see it happening to boy children all over the place. These these so-called trans girls with their proud trans mommies, these boys, that's what this is. It's an extreme version, a very extreme and bloody version. Thank God it didn't happen to me. But it is the same thing. The difference is in severity, not in kind. You know, I've talked about this before. When I, was a, when I was a little kid, I was the firstborn. I never met my father. So I spent, I was almost four years old before my mother married my stepfather. So I have some memory, not very many, of course, but some memory of life with my mother when it was just me and my mother. And from a very early age, my mother parentified me. Um, She placed expectations on me that were more appropriate for an adult partner, not for a child. So I began very early emotionally caretaking my mother through her crying jags, her emotional instability, her fears and anxieties. But it wasn't just it wasn't just the emotional stuff there there. 
My mother never directly physically molested me, and to the very best of my knowledge, I do not believe I was directly sexually molested by anybody when I was a minor. Um, of course, that doesn't include all the statutory rape that happened when I was a teenager. <laughs> I'm sorry, trauma's funny sometimes, what can I tell you? Um, but when I was a little kid... Uh, like like most people with borderline personality disorder, my mother had poor or non-existent propriety boundaries. She walked around naked uh, after getting out of the shower for far longer than she should have. I shouldn't really remember my mother's naked body, yet I do. So she was doing this well past the age of three or four. Um, she would tell me intimate secrets as I got older about her sex life, about the, the men that she would sometimes see. Um, and even, and I've asked people about this and people have given different answers. Um, so I, I do think this is different in different contexts and different family situations. I'm just going to tell you what it was like for me, um, in, in many ways. And certainly the older I got, the more my mother treated me as a surrogate husband. And even down to things like well into my adulthood, well, hell, right up into my 40s until I finally severed the relationship, I was expected to kiss my mother on the mouth, on the lips. And I know that some families and some cultures, I, I hear that that is the done thing. Um, it, it bothered me. It felt gross. It, it felt different than just what our family does. That's all I can tell you. This is emotional incest, at least. It's a common feature of mothers with borderline and narcissistic personality disorder area syndromes and their sons. It's parentification with a really disgusting add-on. And it deranges a boy's emotions, and it produces a psychiatrically disturbed man. I'm in therapy, right? But look how far it goes now in 2023. This is from Facebook. A group called Baby's World. Take a look at your screen. It is a picture of a woman giving birth. You can see the baby coming out of, um, out of the birth canal. You can see the people waiting there to receive the baby as it comes out. Uh, the caption, nine-year-old boy is the mother's greatest support during labor and delivery. And look at that picture there. You can see this nine-year-old boy gloved up with his hands right near his mother's vagina, helping to pull the baby out. Take a look at the next one. Oh, there's a series of photographs in there. Little boy, little man, all over mommy. Here's what mommy had to say about this, because of course mommy is doing this for narcissistic supply. That's why she shared it on Facebook with more than 20 photographs of her legs spread and her laboring in the hospital while her son was her sole support. <clears throat> Holly, the mother, and of course it's spelled H-O-L-L-I-A. <laughs> Holly said that having Charlie present during the most difficult part of her labor gave her the fortitude to overcome her doubts. Quote, his soothing contact between contractions was so gentle and centered me, allowing me to regain my concentration. 
both of our sons spent considerable time preparing for supporting roles. Charlie assumed the role with ease. My sons requested a mini-class on childbirth education, which I taught to mentally prepare them for witnessing a birth. Having my closest loved ones urge me on during the toughest thing I've ever done was precisely what I needed to get through it. His presence reminded me that I had accomplished this before and I could do so again. He's touching her while she's having contractions. It's soothing for her. It centered me. Look at her. Look at this disgusting woman. What she's doing is warping that boy. I have no doubt believing that he believes this is normal and he probably really does want to help mommy. I could be that little boy. I would have been that little boy if my mother had chosen to do something like this. Even if you believe it's okay, maybe in another context, maybe if you believe it's okay to have kids in the birthing room, I'm not going to come out and say that should never happen under any circumstances. I realize that I have a personal emotional investment in this here and that that is not the universe of all possible responses. Even if you believe that's okay, how she's done it is not okay. You can tell just from her words how incestuously enmeshed this woman is with her nine-year-old son. Where's the father? Why is the father not mentioned in any of this? We know why, don't we? Because there isn't a father. There was a sperm donor. But mommy's a strong, modern, liberated woman. She can do it all. She can have it all. She can even make her son into husbands. Look at the power of a woman. Look what she can bring forth. You know, I have spoken to people over the years who have met families like this. Mothers with borderline personality disorder and really strange goings on in the home. Heard of one family. I've seen stories like this was told to me uh, by somebody who knew the family, but I've seen these stories third hand many, many times in other places. One family with a BPD mother had had her son sleeping in her bed from the time of birth through 15 years old. Hmm? Are you surprised to learn that the son started to exhibit behaviors that might be indicative of psychopathy, an obsession with prostitutes, an obsession with violence, sexualized violence with women as victims. Don't be surprised. Meanwhile, the left wants you to believe that the real harm is laughing at jokes. This is from a local TED Talk. Take a listen to this. This is the reason that white supremacy stays alive in our country. Number one, it goes unchecked. These, every white person that's listening to this, in this room or in this country has heard a joke behind closed doors or has heard these baseless conspiracy theories that I'm talking about being spread or has heard about how reverse racism is attacking white America. And as a white person, if you do not call that out, if your family, friends, co-workers are doing these things and you say nothing, you are an accessory to murder. What? Back to the
to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up. Daddy's he know he won't have it. He knows his whole back to these ropes. It don't matter. He's your silence allows these hateful ideologies, conspiracies, and dangerous rhetoric to continue to fester and be passed down to the next generation of white supremacists. Your silence is quite literally violence. Uh, no. 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 Um, this is Russell Ellis, reformed racist. Yeah. Did you hear the half-black accent? No, I know. I know he has a southern accent. I'm not talking about his southern accent. I'm asking, did you hear the half-black accent? Because I did. Linguistic uniforms. Remember them. Your silence is quite literally violence. No, it's not. It's just silence. You're insane. What you just said is insane, and people should laugh at you when you say things like that. That's what you should do, audience, listeners. When somebody says something like this, start laughing. And I mean start laughing out loud. Yes, I mean start laughing in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, enough to, it's not enough to go into your favorite online space and bitch and moan to your friends about this. You have to start being, you have to start objecting in public. I mean, obviously, of course, I know that anybody who paid a, uh, for a ticket to a TED Talk from this guy isn't going to laugh because they're all sitting there in their hand-knit wool sweaters and the women with the scarves on and the men with their, their big chunky glasses and their goatees and their shaved heads are all sitting there going, mm, like a bunch of goons. But if somebody says this to you in real life, um, just start laughing at them. And when they ask, when they ask you what you think is funny, uh, the insanity that just came out of your mouth, you just told me, you, sir, just told me that not speaking words is violence. You're insane. I'm not listening to you. These people should be embarrassed and ashamed to get up on a stage and talk like this. They should be booed. They should have wet, rotten tomatoes thrown at them, vaudeville style. Yeah, oh, is that not nice enough? Well, you can keep being nice and you can keep getting more of this crap. Let's segue into a section about manners that also includes some discussion about race. And I warn you... I'm going to be talking candidly about black people's poor behavior. So if you find yourself getting verklempt about this, have a drink or something. Because um, I'm going to say things I'm not supposed to say. I went into the deli, one of those standalone convenience store delis, the other day. And it had a, a sandwich, you know, a sandwich area and a hot food area. There was some pre-prepared hot Listen, oh, I hate that I did that. There was some pre-prepared hot food. So redundant. It's not pre-prepared. The pre is already in the word. The food, it's prepared. <laughs> See, I'm just as hard as myself as I, on myself as I am on you. <laughs> um, and there's a young man, a young black man, standing behind the counter, maybe mm, somewhere between 20 and 25 years old, making salads. And I walk up there, and I'm, I'm looking at the food, deciding if I want to order something, if I want to pick up one of the uh, prepared sandwiches, or if I want to order something else. I'm looking over, and it's that kind of encounter where I'm standing there. I have my hands clasped in front of me, um, and I get no acknowledgement. So I, I smile, and I say, hi, how are you? This is what I get back.
No acknowledgement, just a sullen glare. Then another guy comes along, 60-year-old white man. He says, can I help you with something, sir? And I jumped back. I jumped back from the counter. And I said, I wasn't rude, but I was bordering on rude. And I said, no, thank you. I'm just looking. Why did I do this? Because for the past three years, I expect that if I am acknowledged at all by an employee, it will not be to help me. It will be to tell me to stop doing something or to start doing something. Don't touch that unless you've paid for it. Don't pick that food up until you've already paid for it. Or some lecture about me not understanding their ordering system or some lecture about not understanding their self-checkout system. Because this is one of those new places now where there aren't any cashiers. It's all self-service. Start here. Scan your items. I am so used to being corrected like an annoying child that my mind automatically went there and I just... I was almost snappish with the guy, and I felt terrible because he was generally being nice to me. You know what he said when I said, I'm just looking? He goes, and he's very friendly. He says, well, just let me know if you want something fresh that isn't there, and I'll make it from you, even if it's not on the menu board. And then I felt really sheepish, and I, I tried to be extra warm, and I said, hey, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Meanwhile, young black man is standing there. putting croutons on the Caesar salad like it was some big fucking deal. <sighs> Why do I mention the race of these people? Well, I don't, actually. I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about cultural tribes. Here is the fact where I live, and in, this is the case in many Democrat and progressive heavy areas. The most entitled, rude, and obnoxious set are young black people. No, I never thought I'd be saying this in front of a camera. And no, I don't give a shit anymore who doesn't like it. Because it, I waited too long to tell the truth about this as well. It is true. And it has nothing to do with skin color at all. The black people who live in my town who are immigrants from the Caribbean, from the former French colonies in Africa, are some of the friendliest people I have ever come across. If you get in an Uber with them or if they're serving you in a store, you are almost guaranteed to get a smile and a couple of jokes. They are friendlier than you have a right to ask for. This has nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with the way that black people in this country have been trained to be shitty to white people and nobody will call them out on it. Well, I am. All right, it's time for another break and we'd like to ask for your support. Will you help us keep making this show? We don't have advertisers, and we sure don't have no nonprofit grant money to keep going. There's a couple of ways you can do it. Um, sign up to support us going to disaffected, disaffectedpod at substack.com, or you can choose subscribestar.com slash disaffected. If you don't want to sign up as a monthly subscriber, you just want to make a one-off donation, bless you, we appreciate them too, you can do it easily with PayPal. Just send a one-off donation to the following email address, us at disaffected.fm. That's us, the letters U-S at disaffected.fm. We'll see you on the other side.
can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. The essay that I ended the last segment with, um, may it, it, you may be interested in it. It's uh, recent on Substack. The title is Holding On to Being Human. And I said a lot more in that, in that written piece than I had time to say on the show. So what I'm about to share with you is somebody who was reacting to a written piece. So he's reacting to things that you have not yet heard, but the piece was longer than what I shared with you. This is a good place to get a notebook. Because we're going to talk about a subtype of narcissist called the cerebral narcissist. That's not a formal diagnostic term. It's a colloquial term, but it is a widely used term. Um, Compare with the somatic narcissist. So what is a somatic narcissist? That is a narcissist whose primary means of getting ego gratification is through his or her physical attractiveness. Madonna is a somatic narcissist. Uh, Many people in Hollywood are somatic narcissists. The hot guy at the bar who's constantly at the gym, always looking for an excuse to take his shirt off. I, I know young men do all these things. I understand. I'm not saying that every single person who ever takes his shirt off or goes to the gym is a narcissist, okay? So don't, no need to make that correction in the comments, <laughs> okay? I'm not saying that talking about the exaggerated kind. You all know the kind of people I'm talking about. That's a somatic narcissist. A cerebral narcissist gets his kicks by seeing himself and believing that other people are seeing him as intellectually superior to other people. We had one such as a commenter on my essay, Holding On to Being Human. Commenter Brendan didn't like my essay at all. At all. So here's what he had to say. And what I'm doing here with you on the show, I, I do a version of You'll see this. I, I did it in the comments here. When I get somebody like this who is clearly trying to stir shit, and yes, yes, in my head, in, in my head, yeah, I diagnose. I'm diagnosing right now as I'm talking to the camera. Diagnosing. Yeah. I'm having an opinion. I'm having a view. It's diagnosing. Right? What I do is I I don't respond to the person directly. I talk about them as if they are not in the room. Yeah. I will say, readers, this is a good example, et cetera, et cetera. I do this deliberately. I want them to know that I have cut them dead, that that I, I do not acknowledge their existence. I will not speak to them. I will not take their bait. But I will use them in real time, in public, to give people an object lesson. So that's what I'm doing here. Here's what he said. Regarding your last two paragraphs, how about going back and being extra nice to the young black man? 
How do you know what was going on in his life? Of course, stores should expect all employees to shine with a smile, but when it doesn't happen, it isn't always because they're vile or young or anything else. He really doesn't like the fact that I pointed out the cultural tribe skin color thing. Really doesn't like it. He goes on, maybe someone close is sick as hell or a friend. The Christian thing to do would be be to be nice to both, favoring not fearing one or the other. You're going to, I'm sorry his grammar is so bad. You're going to realize why, how funny that is in a couple of minutes. Signs off, best Brendan Hanrahan. Wow. This is what I wrote back for the edification of readers. This comment from Brendan is a good example of our cultural cluster B approach. Notice that Brendan took the side of the rude person immediately, by default. Then notice that he suggested a moral reversal, that I, the person who was treated rudely, should go back to the person who performed that rudeness on me, and I should be extra nice to him. This is abuser logic. Brendan's comment is helpful in learning to recognize how our culture has gaslit us, and it's an illustration of the kinds of attitudes that have helped make socially abusive behavior socially well-paid and culturally applauded. That best sign-off is also a typical passive-aggressive move used by people who think in these ways. Oh, you don't like that either. So here come Brendan. I'm not a member of any club or group and fit no box, whatever you say. Some people need to grow up. And if someone doesn't greet them with a trumpet overture of love, just suck it up and grow up and move on without making assumptions about strangers you know nothing about. Sheesh, we do feel entitled, don't we? Always offended so easily? Best, Brandon Hanrahan, UK Society of Editors, Full member. (laughs) I'm not a member of any club, he says, as he signs off UK Society of Editors, full member. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're get. This is a disaffected original. You're getting the earpiece fiddling here. Do you like it? I can keep doing it. Um, What's amazing, this, it's not amazing, it's typical. This isn't about I wasn't making any assumptions about him. Brendan's his comment is completely off base. It is absolutely unresponsive to anything I said. I made no assumptions about him. I made no assumptions about uh, whether this young man had a sick relative because I don't care. It is immaterial, irrelevant, orthogonal to the point. Irrelevant. What I said, and I said it very clearly, there was no room for misunderstanding, is do not treat me rudely. I did nothing to provoke being treated rudely. There is no excuse for giving me a glare when I smile and say, hi, how are you? I don't care about his sick grandmother. I don't care if he's going to lose his job tomorrow. That's not my problem. I did not perform the socially abusive behavior he did. Easy. It's like that girl from last week. You want to learn manners, you got to learn them too. Easy. (laughs) Oh, well. Here's Brendan. Take a look at Brendan here. 
and I'll I'll illustrate this for you with a word picture. He's what you would expect. He's uh, looks to be between sixty five and seventy. White guy. He's British, and he's wearing a trilby hat. <laughs> And he describes himself wordsmith, editor, iconoclast, no, wordsmith, editor, journalist, friend, and harlot-like purveyor of unsolicited opinion and outrageous iconoclasm. It's like Jem. Truly outrageous, truly, truly, truly outrageous, Jem. That hat. You know he's one of those guys who's like, how do you do, m'lady? <laughs> Uh, so I kept going. This is why you should subscribe to the Substack because I do lessons and mostly for free. So I said, readers, uh, oh no, I already told you about that. Ne- uh, I'm sorry, skip that element, Kevin. <laughs> um, the next thing I said is, this is a classic illustration of what's known as the cerebral narcissist subtype. They're frequently people who, like Brendan, trumpet their membership in clubs, as he did with his UK Society of Editors sign-off, and they do it in ways that are irrelevant to the topic being discussed. Many of this type will talk about their Mensa membership, as another example, and Mensa is is a club for people with high IQs, and uh, if you've ever met a Mensa member, you know it because they tell you in the first five minutes. People with this turn of mind are often socially and verbally abusive. And they try to cover this up by refraining from using naughty words like fuck, you know, the way I do. They're driven by an insecurity and a need to feel intellectually or ethically superior to other people. And they need to do, they need to perform this in public, hopefully to get admiration for their high ethics and their high, their high IQ. They will misrepresent things, they will perform reversals, and they will simply flat out lie in order to do it. They'll just lie. Um... The narcissistic supply that the cerebral narcissist is looking for is praise for their intellect. Like most narcissists, they get really frustrated when their targets don't feed their egos the way they hoped. Um, And because so many ordinary people don't understand these kinds of disturbed personalities, these, these kinds of cerebral narcissists are often successful in abusing others, especially online, while being seen as the one displaying moral rectitude, believe it or not. That doesn't work on me, and that frustrates them, and that's why they keep going and going. I'm not going to share the rest of it, but he put three or four more comments on there, and he started insulting my other readers as well, who are all scratching their heads like, dude, what are you on about? Um, and, you know, you listening to this, I mean, because I've made it really clear, some of you are probably saying, oh, come on, Josh, everybody could see that kind of behavior. Nobody would fall for that. I, I understand why you would see it that way. But if you go over the Substack, go and look. A couple of people did fall for it at first. And I came in a little bit salty and said, um, one guy changed, one guy made a comment. And Brendan kept going and kept going and kept going. After I'd already illustrated, I had said to everybody, "You, you guys are dealing with a cerebral narcissist. This is typical of the type. And that other commenter, and this is not a dig at that commenter. I like this commenter, and I, and I appreciate that he or she is is there, and I hope you stay there. Um, said, I I retract my judgment. I initially gave Brendan the benefit of the doubt, but now that I see how he's treating Josh, and I I came back and I said, wait a minute. Why did you give him the benefit of the doubt in the first place? You had all the information that you needed right in his original. He already showed you. 
he didn't need the benefit. And I'm not doing this. I don't expect commenters to defend me. I don't need defending. I'm not asking for that. I'm not saying you did a harm by not protecting me. Absolutely not what I'm saying. My goal here, because this doesn't bother me emotionally, these Brendans, they used to, but they don't now. I don't care about these people. I, I do appreciate them, though, because they give me an opportunity to do what I'm doing right here. I have a pedagogical goal in talking about this. I want everyone who's willing to listen to me to learn some of these things uh, because many people know them instinctively anyway. They need the validation from somebody else who sees it to say, oh, it's not just this weird thing in my head. I really was noticing that kind of rudeness. So that's why I do this. Um, but even, even though it was obvious from his snotty opening comment and the fact that he accused me of doing things that, that just weren't real, it was obvious right there, but it still fooled people. It fooled people because we we are a culture in many ways of abused children in a cluster B household. When we see conflict and we see two people, quote, yelling at each other, we tend to we tend to go to the aggressor's side first. It's like we're trying to placate the parent who's beating our sister up. Right. I know that that's that's a much more dramatic situation than what's happening here. This is social abuse, but it's minor, minor social abuse. Nobody violenced me. I didn't cry after this, but it is social abuse. And we do have this default tendency to side with the abuser and give benefit of the doubt, even though they've already shown us they don't deserve it. That's a problem. That's a cognitive distortion. If you think that makes you a nice person, you are incorrect. It makes you naive and it makes you a collaborator, even when you don't mean to. You may be a genuinely nice person, but when you act this way and when you default to the aggressor, you are helping the aggressor. You have just been made into a flying monkey, and people like me don't appreciate it, and I'm going to call it out. So it's a mistake that we can all make, but, but that's why I give you these illustrations. Oh, coming up to the end of the show here, we took an impromptu trip, Kevin and I did, um, to New York State. And when we drove back to Burlington yesterday, um, well, on the way, we stopped at McDonald's, and I wanted to show you this sign. Can we put that up, please, Kevin? It's uh, a sign at the McDonald's drive-thru that's advertising for job opportunities. It's got a picture of, naturally, a young Asian woman laughing with her hair, like, caught in the wind. And here's what it says. Um, oh, I should have. So, ha, this is what they're advertising that, that you get if you work for McDonald's. A supportive team with a side of always feeling valued. Always feeling valued. What the hell? What the hell? Do you see the feminization of our culture? Do you see the mommy, kindergarten, Barney, preschool, I'm always feeling valued. It is pathetic. It is pathetic. The customers aren't valued. This is what we get at the drive-thru. Welcome to McDonald's. Will you be using the app today? Welcome to McDonald's. Will you be using the app today? Bitch, do I look like I'm using an app or do I look like I'm in the drive-thru lane? I know, I know she, I know she has to say it. Don't tell me this. Don't tell me I don't not know, okay? I'm not criticizing her. I'm criticizing the whole thing. And then I'm trying to pay. Would you like to round up to support Ronald McDonald Charities House today? 
Have you noticed how many questions you have to answer now before you can buy anything? This is also new normal. Didn't happen five years ago. You either have to answer, and I counted. I counted at that store that I that I was uh, that the the rude guy was at. I had to answer five goddamn questions on the touch screen with my ATM card in there before it processed my transaction. And if you don't have to do it on the computer, the person will stand there and speak the bloody questions to you and make you answer them. Shut up. Flip hamburgers, put them in bags, take my cash, and shut up and serve the next customer. We all have better things to do than this crap. And this is appropriate because I'm about to get into the part where I got really pissed going into Burlington city limits. I got into a foul mood as soon as I got into here. You know when you're, you know when you're back in Burlington, and it's not because you see the signs indicating that you've crossed city limits. It's because you see the people. First thing I see back in Burlington, middle-aged lesbian on a bike with a hat that had a mohawk spike on it, right? Like she was some kind of, you know, 1978 The Clash warrior. Um, she's like 60 years old, for Christ's sake, and she's wearing a safety orange vest. What is she doing? She's exercising my right to use the full lane as a bicyclist, exercising my right to use the full lane as a bicyclist. This woman is riding down the middle of the street as if she were a car. Yes, yes, I know. I know that she does actually have that legal right. I recognize that she has it. She was still a dick for doing what she did. She decided to exercise her right, and you cannot convince me that she chose to do so for any other reason than the fact that she got 12 cars to go 12 miles per hour through the main thoroughfare that bisects downtown. <laughs> I went to her right to get around her because she was, um, I think she was going to keep going. So, you know, and you, you don't know if you can go, you don't know if you can get into the right because we have these conflicting right hand bike traffic lanes that will actually uh, conflict with cars and bikes. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, and when I did that, I accidentally drove the car right over the pedestrian crosswalk. And I didn't mean to do that. That was a jerk move, but it was a mistake. And there's another lesbian on the other side of me. And I, she's rolling her eyes. And I understand. I understand it looked like a jerk move. She had no idea I did it as an accident. I don't blame her at all. Um, but then I hear them out of my window. I hear them talking to each other. And I hear bike bitch going, yeah, the way people drive around here. <laughs> I'm afraid I lost it. I rolled the window down and I said, get out of the middle of the road, you dumb bitch. <laughs> and I'm not sorry. <laughs> All right. We're coming up to the end of the show, which means the teaser for Popoli du Mokery. And to remind you, Popoli du Mokery is a Rumble exclusive. You will not see it on this show, but we give you a teaser now. So... Kevin, yeah. rule it. What is everyone's take on the we still need acceptance to, movement? We still need to do a fit check, by the way, for Plan Life. Fat acceptance um, movement. I think the, the fat oh, acceptance movement that? is terrible. Body positivity. Sam, yeah. go ahead. You were about to say something. <laughs> okay, so, like, I, I'm all for people being healthy, all about themselves. Like I said, like, you have that, like, I don't know how to say this, but like basically, like I get a lot of shit for what I wear. Like people are like, "Oh, you shouldn't wear that. It's for your body." Blah blah blah. For me, like I don't wear this shit to like be 
get it for attention. I do this because this is what makes me feel beautiful. Okay, I'm gonna steal from Bender Bending Rodriguez. Well, you should feel something different. <laughs> this is Jabba the Hut. Excuse me, Jabba the Hut S from last week on the Whatever podcast about 300 pound woman in a little tank top with spaghetti straps, whore, drag queen makeup on, the whole thing. You know, she's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. I have been told that this person is a man in a tranny, but I'm not sure, and I actually don't think so. So it doesn't matter. Either way, it doesn't matter. I get a lot of shit for what I wear. Well, why do you think that is, sweetie? Why do you think that is? And then she says, for me, like, I don't wear this shit to be like, to get attention, I do it because this makes me feel beautiful. Shut up. Shut up. Stop saying you don't wear these things to get attention. That is why you're wearing them. You're wearing them to get sexual attention. That's how you feel beautiful. This is what people do. You're not dressing for you. Stop it. <laughs> I don't wear this to get attention. Right, lumpy space princess. Just like how I don't do voices and pull faces to get attention on my show. I just do it for me. <laughs> Join us on Rumble for the complete Bobolie du Mokoli and have a wonderful week.